Hey everyone, it's Amanda. Welcome to the Audacious Black Girl Podcast. This is the last episode of season four and I am, oh my gosh, like such in awe and in the space of um, just really feeling like, wow, season four, season four. I can't believe it. My husband reminded me the other day that it's been, I guess, three years since I started the podcast. So it's been a real journey and a beautiful experience, you know, and this season has been so phenomenal. Like every season has been beautiful to me, but this season we had amazing conversations about, of course, mental health and wellness, you know, womanhood, entrepreneurship, using our voice, confidence, all these beautiful and amazing topics. And I am so thankful to all the listeners and all the support, all the messages that you've sent me um, via direct message or email, just telling me how much certain episodes impacted you. So just thank you for being an audacious Black girl. Thanks for rocking with me for three years. Um, But stay tuned to the end of this episode to hear what comes next for audacious Black girl. And also make sure you're following me on Instagram at audacious Black girl and on threads. That's the new thing right now, too. I'm trying to get better with that. But um, yeah, make sure you're following me. And once again, thank you for your support. Um, And I love taking therapy off the couch for Black girls, just really empowering us with our wellness, our mental health, and our audacity. Um, uh, Yeah, thank you for being here. And thank you for tuning in to this last episode of season four. But this episode is for all women. However, I especially targeted this episode for women that are like me in a certain age, right? Women in their 30s, about to maybe enter their 40s or are in the beginning of their 40s. Because today we're going to talk about what I learned about self-love in my 30s and what it looks like. So I'm 39 and I am on the cusp of the cusp of the next phase in my life, you know, entering my 40s. It's like a huge deal, you know, and a few months ago, actually, I'd noticed that I would tell people that I was almost 40 instead of saying what I actually was, which is 39. I started asking myself, like, why am I trying to bypass this year, this part of my life so badly? It's a beautiful transitional phase. Yes, it's, you know, full of, you know, challenges and thoughts and like, oh my goodness, like I'm about to be 40, but it's beautiful nonetheless. It's beautiful nonetheless. So in reflecting on my why and why I was bypassing this part, I realized that I needed to ground myself. I needed to ground myself in this current embodiment, this current part of my transition, because I believe that when things are just moving quickly or just moving in general, you just got to move your feet along with the movement. That is how you ground yourself. The more you resist, the more you try to rush it through, the worse it is. And you don't feel grounded. You feel like you're just all over the place. And I want it to just be fully in this embodiment, fully in my age of 39 before I enter 40, because it is such a big and I think pivotal growth part in our life. Um, So I decided to just move with the movement to ground myself in this moment, in this embodiment as a 39-year-old. And I wonder if anyone else has experienced that. Or maybe they are, you know, about to enter a different decade in their life and 
you know, just feeling like, oh my gosh, I want this part to be over with. I can't I just get to the 30s? Can I get to the 40s, the 50s? How did you handle that? How did you handle that transition? Like, What was that like for you? Did you ground yourself? Did you move along with the movement to ground yourself? Or were you rushing through it? Or were you resisting? This is a part in your life where you, you know, you have to move with it and just allow it to be what it is. So whenever you are in a transitional space, it's easy to look at, you know, what comes next instead of really learning, like I said, how to live in that current space. And for me, this space is full of fear and anxiety, or at least it was. I feel more grounded now, but it was full of fear and anxiety. But also there is a lot of hope, a lot of resolve, a lot of self-awareness, a lot of just confidence I was learning about myself as I was reflecting on being grounded in the age of 39. So in my reflection, and as I was thinking about my 30s overall, I became in awe at my growth. Y'all, like I've been through some stuff and I've done some amazing things in my 30s that at this age of 39, I am now reflecting on and just in awe at my experience and awe at how I've achieved, how I've gone through challenges, how I learn, how I respond. And it has been such a blessing to be able to redefine and define what life is like on my own terms. And in that process, I learned about real and sustainable self-love and accepting that the way I heal, the way I do things, the way I respond, <laughs> there's nothing to feel shame for, nothing at all. So this episode is about what self-love has looked like for me in my 30s. But like I said, I think you're probably going to have some moments of resonance or some moments when you kind of go, hmm, I think I need to start grounding myself. I think I need to start really finding my ways to have sustainable self-love. And I will show you and talk to you about how to do that in a moment. So let me first lay the groundwork, okay? So like I said, I'm 39. I have been married for 18 years and I have three kids, ages, well, 17 or almost 18, my 15-year-old and my nine-year-old. So my poor son is in the middle. <laughs> and I became a mom and a wife in my 20s, about 22, 21, 22. And I spent a lot of time just really, I think, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, if you ever listened to them, when I talk about my motherhood and my experience as a wife is I felt like I was just going with emotions. When I reflect on certain parts of my life, it does feel like a blur. And I think all it was, was me trying to figure it out. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just an autopilot. So once again, grounding myself in my experiences, that was something that was, you know, a bit challenging because I felt all these responsibilities and things I had going on were more important, more important than what I was experiencing, right? What I needed and what, how I defined myself. I entered periods of, I know now is depression. I had a lot of doubt. I lost my identity in motherhood and being a wife. And I felt directionless because my husband, he is in the military. It was really difficult to lay roots wherever I was because, you know, 
I moved often every three years, every three years. And that was challenging. I gained relationships. I lost relationships over the past 18 years. But through it all, the one thing that kept me going was that I knew, I knew innately and intuitively that I had and have something to give the world and that I was purposely curated by God. In that, I found hope. In that, I found the ability to move through life and keep going until my purpose and my path was revealed to me. So my self-love journey, it's still in process, but you know, it took a, a whole lot of trial and error to really love myself and appreciate my journey and have compassion and acceptance from my journey. I needed compassion and acceptance on my journey to get to where I am right now so that my self-love and the just the love I have for myself is just, it's so unwavering and I'm in awe at that. I'm in awe at how much I love myself. So much growth happened in my 30s and I am forever, forever, forever grateful. So here are six ways that my self-love looks for me now. I am unapologetic about the amount of time I need to recover when I'm overstimulating y'all. Like, oh my gosh, if you're a spouse or in a partnership or a parent, you might know how much it takes to, you know, show affection, right? To be there for your family, to be there for yourself. And then if you are working or you have just other things going on or you're around other people, if you're a highly sensitive person like me, you might get overstimulated often. And I used to feel so much guilt about not being able to, you know, meet the needs of my children or my husband when I wasn't in that space to give. I mean, they were surviving. They were okay. That's the part of it. They were okay. I am not the um, end-all be-all for their happiness and their wellness or whether they eat or whether they have clean clothes. Like They're able to sustain themselves. But when I took on that feeling and thought of, I have to be the one to do all these things, it left me overstimulated, right? It left me feeling like, oh my gosh, like I have nothing left to give to myself. So for me, what that did was affected my purpose. It affected how I did things for myself. It affected my self-care, my mental health, my well-being, all those things. But I know myself enough to know that just as much as I give to others, not only my family, friends, relationships, my work, and my even my passion projects, that I have to go just as hard in my recovery. I accept that about myself. I give myself compassion for that. I get overstimulated. I need some real, real downtime to recover. And it's not even about being like an extrovert or introvert because I know I have both those things within me. It's just energetically because I feel things very deeply. And because I am highly intuitive, because I am highly sensitive and I feel things so deeply, I have to detach and disconnect so I can feel whole. And I'm okay with that. Another way that um, self-love has manifested for me in my 30s is really recognizing, and this kind of goes in lines with the one I just talked about, is that I had to love myself more. 
I had to love myself more than I loved anyone else in my life. And that made a difference. I spent so much time putting everyone else ahead of me to my own detriment. And I think as women, a lot of times we do that. You put everyone else's needs, whether it's family, relationships, even work, (laughs) ahead of ourselves. And how deeply does that affect us? There were times when I really didn't like myself. And instead of pouring love into myself, I poured it into my family over and over again, ignoring my needs. I had to start loving myself more than them so that I can redirect that energy into my own growth and my own healing. There was no sense of balance or harmony with any of it for me between the love I had for others, people I cared about, and myself. It was really heavily one way. I had to realize that it was also okay and absolutely necessary that I redirect that love and energy toward myself and love myself more than I loved anyone else. By releasing the shame and accepting that loving me was okay was a big hurdle. And I think so much, so many of us go through that, but I absolutely love myself so much more than anyone else. And I accept that. And I love that for me. (laughs) I love that for me. And I love that for anyone else who was able to get to that point of realizing I love myself so much that I cannot and will not sacrifice my needs, my dreams, my purpose, my identity for anyone else. You can find that harmony there, but the harmony starts with you choosing yourself first, always, in all ways. And it's funny, like even as... I still say I love myself more than anyone else. It still feels selfish, but it isn't. It really isn't. Because if I don't love myself, if you don't love yourself, then you're just surviving off the validation and the words and actions and deeds of what you do and how people respond to that. Or just in general, what people show you and give to you. You are worth so much more. You are worth so much more. And I'm a firm believer that it is no one else's responsibility but mine to love me unconditionally. The third way that self-love looks like for me right now is I stopped romanticizing when I was thinner. Now, like I said, I have three kids and I went up and down in my weight up and down in my ability or um, just my eating habits, my fitness, all those things. And I used to romanticize so much when I was thinner. And I think, who who doesn't do that, right? Oh, I, I can't believe how fat I thought I was when I was actually skinny. Or when I get skinny again, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm going to wear these things and that things. We start romanticizing it. But something I had to realize personally is how unhealthy I was when I was smaller. I had so much stomach issues. I watched everything I ate. And overall, even though I was small, my anxiety was high. My anxiety was through the roof. I was always thinking about my next workout, always thinking about what I was going to eat. It was unhealthy and it wasn't right. Something I also had to really accept about myself was the fact that my arms are bigger and it's hereditary. No matter how much weight I lost, they were never going to be as small as I would like them to be. 
And I realized that, you know, I really wasn't wearing like sleeveless tops showing my arms due to how much I hyper-focused on my arms, right? Even if I was smaller, I always focused on my arms and wished they were tiny and it was unhealthy. But you know what made me realize how much I was hyper-focused on my arms and really not paying attention to anything else about the beauty of me? So one day last summer, I wore a tank top and I was feeling super, super self-conscious. But I was like, no, I'm starting this journey of loving myself and accepting my arms. I am going to wear this tank top. So I went shopping and I remember thinking while I was out, like, oh, I wish my arms are a little bit smaller. But I'm the only one thinking that. No one else is thinking that. And it's it's crazy. Then this woman comes up to me and she says, oh, your skin it is so beautiful. And I remember snapping out of my little self, self-loathing days and going, oh shit, she's right. I do have beautiful skin. I hyper-focused so much on my arms that this part of me, this beautiful skin that I have, this beautiful skin, this dark brown, beautiful skin that it took forever for me to accept because I had so much experience, so much colorism and being called names because of my dark skin as I was growing up. I forgot about how much I learned to love my skin. I was bypassing that part of my journey by hyper-focusing on one small element, my arms. And it was ridiculous and unnecessary. It made me also realize that I got the confidence to wear the tank top because of the fact that like, I did love my skin. And I was like, you know what, whatever, screw my arms. I have beautiful skin. But even when out, I forgot about that part. But that was a beautiful reminder just not to hyper-focus on certain things and to just accept my arms the way they are because they're just one part of me. That thing that you're hyper-focused on at times, it's one part of you. There's so many other beautiful parts of you. And even that thing you're hyper-focused on, even that thing you feel like you want to change, it's beautiful too because there's a story to it. There's a story there. What is that story? How can you give yourself compassion and how can you accept that this is who you are and it is beautiful? All of you. So another way that I show myself a self-love in my 30s is I move in silence. And that has been a major one for me. So I may share things I have going on while they're in process with maybe some people, one person, two people, but that's not my usual anymore. I feel like when you share some of those things that you're working on or doing, that you start to invite criticism, doubt, questions, and just other people's energy and their thoughts into the mix. And I feel like that messes up with the alchemy of whatever it is that you're doing. I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. Okay. And like I said, inviting other people's energy and their opinions into whatever I'm doing, their energetic projections. I don't want nothing messing with the alchemy of what I'm creating. So I really just move in silence and I co-create with God. And that is all that I need. You might see the end result. You will see the end result, but that's good enough for me. I find that moving in silence works best for me. And it just allows me to really 
um, manage <laughs> the outcomes and trust myself, release doubt. It allows me to move through and just co-create with God. And that's what matters to me the most. Self-love for me right now looks like saying what I mean and meaning what I say. So standing in my truth and trusting it has been really key to me and my life and really trusting my voice. It's been key to my confidence in my 30s. Like it really has. I dealt with so much doubt in my words because I didn't trust myself for a while. Like I said earlier, my identity, it really felt misplaced, especially when I was younger. And that just caused me to not have faith in my words, in myself, who I am and what I do. And many of you can probably resonate with this. Like I used to mull over everything I said in a conversation just to make sure I said the right things and didn't cause anyone to feel bad unintentionally. Um, and there's still moments now where I may kind of reflect on a conversation for a little bit longer than I want, but I'm able to catch it now and kind of really bring myself home and rein that in. I know myself well enough to know that I am mindful and intentional about what I say and that there, if there is any sort of miscommunication, I can handle it. I can handle it. I can speak my truth. I can use my voice and I can handle anything that comes my way because I know myself. I know how intentional I am with my words and I know how much I care about people. And I know that when I speak, I'm speaking from my experience, my heart, my knowledge, and I could never go wrong with that. So yeah, self-love in my 30s means saying what I mean and meaning what I say and standing by that. And the last way that self-love looks for me right now that I'll talk about in this episode because self-love like it's for me my journey has been so expansive and there's so many so many layers and things and things that um um you know that I've grown to learn about on my journey in my 30s but my last thing that I'll share with you is that I love myself so much that I only surround myself with people who are uplifting and encouraging and love me unconditionally. I have the most amazing and nourishing relationships I've ever had in my life. These relationships I have with some amazing women right now are just oh, amazing. So amazing. I'm in awe at the women I have in my life, the circle that I've been able to curate, the people that I get to talk to, Oh my goodness, the people I get to share and be vulnerable with, it's beautiful because they receive it and they give it back. They allow me to be a space for them, but not in a way where I feel like I'm being emptied because I've had relationships where I've always felt like I was the one that was giving and not receiving, but I don't have that in my life right now. And I'm, and I am such an advocate for having a team and really doing a, a audit of your team. And if a relationship hasn't served you or doesn't serve you anymore, it's okay to bench them. It's okay to bench them. I got that from Rachel Rogers book. Um, we should all be millionaires. And I take it to heart with really analyzing my relationships every year. And if there's someone that isn't fulfilling me or I'm able to pour into them or it's just not mutual, whatever that looks like, I let them go because I believe in abundance and holding on to any relationship that isn't fulfilling or nourishing or, or trusting or serving you in any way, 
that scarcity, let them go so that you can make room for new relationships and new people who can really uplift you and fulfill you and nourish you in a way that you need. So yeah, self-love right now in my 30s, which will continue, and I I know it's going to get better and better the older I get, is to have really nourishing and amazing friendships and people in my life who are only supportive. That's it. So when it comes to your own self-love journey, yes, I explained all the things that I've experienced in my 30s, at least some of the things I experienced in my 30s on my self-love journey. But the root of of it all, this is for you to take away, is that self-love starts with compassion. How can you show compassion to yourself? How can you give a story to your life or the things about you that you find difficult to love? Give yourself compassion for the things that you cannot control, for the things that are inherited, the things that you have been through that were not your fault. Give yourself compassion. And once you're able to understand and have compassion, then you can get on that journey to self-acceptance. How can you accept who you are, how you do things, how you figure things out, how you grow? Compassion is the root and then you move on to acceptance. That is the root of self-love. That is what will sustain you because you start there and then you allow that to grow into self-love. And as you get on that journey um, of self-love, like I said, that compassion and that acceptance is going to take you so far because you'll be able to understand your experiences better. You'll be able to understand yourself better. And that is what will allow you to just really love yourself more than you love anyone else. So no matter what your age, just start defining what that looks like for you, what self-love looks like for you. Listening to what you need and being audacious enough to do it is powerful as hell. Being audacious enough to give yourself compassion, to give yourself some some acceptance, and to love yourself. Oh my gosh, that is powerful. You'll start to love yourself more and more every day by practicing compassion and acceptance. And like I said, that is what will carry you on that self-love journey. Anything comes your way trying to knock you down or trying to make you feel less than, compassion, acceptance will sustain you on that self-love journey. And then the practices of loving yourself and figuring out how you can really appreciate who you are. That is the root of self-love. And I want that for you so bad. I want you to love yourself so deeply that you're obsessed with yourself. You're obsessed with your happiness. You're obsessed with your peace because you deserve it. We deserve to love ourselves so deeply, so fully, so compassionately, and allow that to be the root and our foundation as we move through life as these audacious and amazing Black women. So... Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you got some goodies out of it or got some aha moments or whatever you needed. I just hope that you received. And as I said in the beginning, this is the last episode of this season. My goal is to continue to hold space for healing and authentic conversations about Black womanhood and to continue to grow this platform. I haven't decided if a season five will be in the workshop. I'm think I'm definitely going to take some time to, um, you know, let things settle and think about it. 
But no matter what, Audacious Black Girl will continue to grow and expand. So make sure that you are following on Instagram at Audacious Black Girl. Um, and, you know, I've always wanted to continue to take Audacious Black Girl off the internet <laughs> and out into the world. So things I have in mind is maybe some meetups. Now I'm in the DMV, um, but something I'm considering is some meetups, maybe some in-person meetups, ooh, some virtual conversations, like setting up some space for Black women to come together and um, I'll choose a topic and we'll just kind of discuss and get into the nitty gritty of things that we go through as black women and just be in community because oh, I love being in community. So there's other things that I'm thinking up that are in the atmosphere right now, um, but definitely continue to support, follow Instagram and everything, like I said, um, so that you can stay in the know um, about what Audacious Black Girl will be doing next. But thank you all so much for listening to the podcast, whether it was multiple episodes since you've been there from the beginning, like three years ago, or maybe this was the only one you've listened to so far. Go back. The podcast will still be here for you to reflect on. And once again, please keep sending your messages and support. It definitely has kept me going throughout the three years that I've been doing the podcast. Um, and I just love hearing from you. I love hearing um, your stories and what you share. But thank you once again for being a listener and being a supporter. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your energy. All the episodes that you listen to, I'm thankful for your energy and your time. But until next time, peace. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you stay in touch. Follow me on Instagram at Audacious Black Girl. If you have questions or comments or maybe you want to collaborate, if you're an Audacious Black Girl, reach out to me at Amanda at AudaciousBlackGirl.com and join my email list. I send weekly inspiration and empowerment for all of my Audacious Black Girls. Everything's in the show notes. Until next time.